Yo, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to A Pretty Normal Podcast, a show that reimagines what society considers normal. Each week, I interview different guests about the topics that they're most passionate about. But guess what? This week, I didn't really do that. So it was a little bit different. This is the official recording of yesterday's first ever Podbean Live episode. I went live on the Podbean app, which was pretty dope. Ain't gonna lie, though, the call-in feature could be better. I don't really like that it makes people download the Podbean app if they want to call in. I'm definitely going to do more live shows again in the future because that was a ton of fun, but I'm going to try and figure out a way to do it where people could just call in by dialing a number. I know that sometimes people don't have storage on their phones or they might be like, why am I going to download this Podbean app just for one time or whatever? So we're going to try and do that shit a little bit different, but it was a ton of fun and I'm glad I had my homies Perry and Rob from the Buppy Report on the show. They tuned in around, I think like the 30 minute mark Rob joined and then later on Perry joined. So I was gonna, if they didn't call, I would have ended that shit right at 30 minutes because I was just ranting and I was just talking to myself, but they called in and every time I was like, all right, we're going to extend it to this. Perry called in a little bit later and then I'd be like, all right, we got to keep going because this conversation is too good. I love talking to them. I love the perspectives that they bring. I love the different, uh, the different views that they bring. So it was a ton of fun. Definitely going to do another live show where people could call in, join the conversation. That's a ton of fun. Just going to try and do it in a little bit of a, of a better way. Without further ado, here is yesterday's live show with a little bit of edits. I cut out a lot of the pauses, but for the most part, it is a pretty raw conversation. I didn't want to edit too much. You know the deal. You know the style. We don't edit all that. We put it out there. Raw and unfiltered conversations. So I hope y'all enjoy. Got to talk about the hashtag challenge accepted, uh, Kanye West and his election bid. And then the big, big, big topic that we covered was China. China, the TikTok ban, all that. Amazing episode. Thank you to Rob and Perry for calling in, for joining. And hey, make sure that you follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I got big news. I said that. I got big, big news for the changes that the show's going to bring. So you're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned. Share it with your friends. Share it with your grandma. Hey, my name is Xavier Diaz, and this is a Pretty Normal Podcast. You're listening to a Pretty Normal Podcast, a show that highlights the fascinating stories and thought-provoking moments that make up our lives. My name is Xavier Diaz, and I want to hear your story. Yo, what's going on, everyone? My name is Xavier Diaz, host of A Pretty Normal Podcast. This is my first time going live with the Podbean app. This is pretty dope. I enjoy podcasting for one of the biggest reasons is I get to learn. A lot of this stuff that I talk about, like politics, current events, um, pop culture and stuff, I'm still learning myself. I am not claiming to be no expert on any of this stuff. I'm claiming to be somebody who is intrigued and curious and wants to know more than maybe what the media generally uh, uh, puts out there. You know, I want to go a little bit deeper than, than what's out there. I love having guests on that always teach me different things who are experts in their specific fields. Like it, it's always great. I always get to learn alongside of the listeners. I'm a listener as well. And that's one thing I, I believe a lot of podcast hosts 
can attest to, like they've become better listeners since they started their podcast. But pretty normal Sundays. This is some shit that I've been cooking up for a minute. If you saw my post on Instagram, you saw my post on Facebook. If I texted you this link directly, I hope you out there. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're healthy and I hope your family's healthy. Thank you for joining in. Thank you for listening. This week, um, it's a little different. Usually I have different guests on every week and um, I get to talk to them. But this week I wanted to go directly live. I wanted to test out this new feature because I got a lot of big plans in store. Like I I can't stress that a lot of big plans. Pretty normal podcast is not just going to be a podcast anymore. I always had a vision to make it kind of a brand, the pretty normal brand. And the podcasting is an amazing start, but not too many people may know, maybe, maybe they do. I started off in video. I started off working at a couple video production uh, studios. And that's essentially how I got into all of this like production. Before I got into podcasting, I was actually a, a video editor and a filmmaker. So as I do this podcast, man, I, I, I realize that I want to keep incorporating more and more video. Video is an amazing tool. It's an amazing medium, like just seeing things. And now you can get these cameras on the low, low cheap and create some beautiful cinematography. Like it's really crazy what you can do. So shout out to Luis Martin, the art engineer. He's the fucking man. He is the guest on the first mini documentary series that I'm going to be starting called A Pretty Normal Day With. So this is going to be A Pretty Normal Day With Luis Martin and is dope. He is the he is the Michael Jordan of collaging and his shit is so dope. So I want to thank him for being the first guest. I'm, I put a deadline on myself. I believe it's uh, August the 12th or some shit like that. It's a Friday. I want to drop that. I put the pressure on myself. I need to edit that. I need to drop that. I need to show you how fucking awesome of an interview that was. He drops gems of knowledge and getting all that footage of him like collaging and being in his studio, being in his element is beautiful. So that's really the direction that I'm going in. I want to do more video stuff. I want to do more lives like this. Of course, the podcast always, you know, talking to guests, learning. As I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a listener as well. I'm, I'm hosting the podcast, but I'm listening and I'm learning as well, right alongside you. And that's why I want to continue to have dope guests on. I did this interview a little while ago, uh, called with um, the founder, co-founder of Psychedelics Today dope ass interview i'm sitting on that i'm sitting on that because i i want it to be good i want to i'm still like in the process of trying to figure out where what direction to go with this brand shit so i'm sitting on this interview but i'm telling you this was a fire interview one hour of just pure knowledge like this dude is so passionate about psychedelics and you can tell like he just drops gems so i'm sitting on that but hey let's get into some of these topics so when i originally said i was gonna go live it was probably like wednesday or tuesday something like that and at the time I was like, all right, these are the topics that I'm I'm reading about right now. Because like I said, I'm a learner. I'm learning. I'm not, I'm no expert. I don't know too much about like all this shit. I'm learning as I go, especially politics. Like that's one thing I only got into a really 2016. I ain't going front. I imagine a lot of people during that election got involved in politics because shit was just so in your face. Like it was everywhere. There was no, it was good to, to read more about it, to see what was lies like and what was truth. I'm straight up, you know, I've been, uh, I'm a learner, learning about politics. But at the time when I announced this, I said I was going to talk about the challenge accepted, hashtag challenge accepted. I'm sure a lot of you have seen that. Um, the Trump pulling military forces out of NATO, out of Germany. That was something that came up that day. And then I was also going to talk about Kanye 
really it, it was for me i would have done a monologue about it if i had just been not writing something else at the time that it happened but i was already writing something and i was like i don't want to you know drop this for this kanye shit maybe if he stays in the news relevant enough i'll do it the next week then he started slowly uh getting out of the news cycle turns out that it was at first i was going to do the monologue because i thought it could be funny and informative i really thought i you know i can inform people about this shit and uh at the same time i can make some pretty funny jokes in my opinion but then it got really fucking sad it got really it was no longer funny it was no longer like damn let's make a monologue about this it was more like oh shit somebody get kanye help that dude really needs help so i kind of got off of the subject but it is still an important subject but it's not as in the news anymore especially because i think people realize kanye is not gonna run he was just there was literally i got an article right here the last time i saw kanye's name in the news as of i think wednesday it was all right here we go a former congressional candidate in new jersey is challenging kanye west's petition to be included as an independent candidate on the presidential ballot claiming some of the signatures appear to be missing required information and may be written by the same person yo this shit is hilarious if you see the picture the dude posts the picture on twitter and all of these signatures are like they got the same eyes the the like the eyes have circles above them not too many people do their eyes like that i think so it kanye essentially got caught probably not kanye i'm gonna I'm be fair with this it probably wasn't kanye it was probably somebody on kanye's campaign team got caught forging signatures to try and get him on the ballot in new jersey because he has to go state by state each state has its different laws on how to appear on the ballot so kanye is trying to get on in new jersey his campaign or somebody probably fucked up and got caught making all the same signatures is what i believe do i believe kanye could get whatever amount of signatures it was i think it's let me check how many signatures do you have to get to be in new jersey uh, let's see 800 800 800 signatures to get on the new jersey primary ballot or whatever the presidential ballot could i do i believe that kanye could do that shit hell yeah kanye could have but i believe that there was it's not kanye it's kanye's team who's probably being like very very badly led because kanye's probably not anywhere to be seen so they're just kind of making it up as they go and he tried to get on in the New Jersey ballot and it didn't work out for him. <laughs> he got caught. I'm, I believe it's it's being challenged. So I don't think that he's completely out of the running. But the thing is, Kanye's not going to fucking run for president. But I don't even want to spend too much time talking about Kanye because, I, like I said, he's not going to run for president. And what really bothers me is when I see people saying, like, Kanye is going to take black voters away from Joe Biden that shit irks me this shit irks me so fucking bad even though i know that he will not run that shit irks me so bad Let, let's go through this logic kanye is gonna take black voters away from joe biden why would he do that why, how would he do that are you insinuating that it is because kanye himself is black and he is a very popular celebrity are you then saying that black voters democratic black voters do not care about anything other than celebrity and who they see in the media. That's all they care about. That's what they vote. They don't vote on policy. They don't vote on what's going to make their lives better. They don't vote on any of that, right? That's the assumption. When I hear people say he's going to take black voters away from Joe Biden, I never hear he's going to take black voters away from Trump. Why? 
Why, why does nobody say that? Is it, is it, are you now insinuating that Democratic Black voters are stupid and all they think about is celebrity status and hype beef shit? Because that shit don't make sense. Because if you are then saying that he's going to take voters away from Joe Biden, but you never say that he's going to take black voters away from Donald Trump, you are saying that there is a clear difference in why a Democratic voter would choose Kanye West and why a Republican black voter would not choose Kanye West. So then we got to we got to dig into this logic a little bit more. Why would that be? Why would Republican black voters not then go to Kanye, which would then neutralize everything because he's taken away from both bases? Why not? All right, let's get into this logic a little more. Could it be policy reasons? Would black Democratic voters not vote? Would they vote for Kanye more than a black Republican voter because Kanye's policies? I don't think so. Let's see. What is Kanye running on? He did a recent, pretty recent interview with Forbes where he said, things as let's see Kanye's platform policy would literally be what he stated in his rally would be free marijuana for everybody not only is it legalized it's free if you want to have for women when it comes to um, reproductive rights he also said that uh, he would give women a million dollars not to have an abortion Obviously, this shit is just very exaggerated, but I understand what Kanye is saying. He wants women to be in a financial position where they don't have to make that choice because a lot of women, that is what they consider when they make these choices is, will I be able to raise this child and, and you know, survive myself? That is a big decision. And if you are not financially capable, it will drive you more to the point, to the decision of, yes, I'm going to abort this child. So I understand what Kanye is saying, but it's hyperbolic as fuck. So... That's Kanye's uh, two things. That's his stance on reproductive rights. That's his stance on marijuana. He told Forbes in an interview that he believed that we need to take the money that we're giving to other countries and spend it all here. That sounds an awful lot like America first. So then you start realizing that Kanye's policies align more with Donald Trump, which is why he fucks with him. So why the hell would black Democratic voters vote for a guy who is against abortion, who is a, uh, an America first isolationist, who says that he would legalize weed and make it free? I, I mean, people might be down with the legalization part. Personally, I am, but I don't think he's going to give it to free. So you right there, you realize that this dude is just talking out of his ass. It doesn't make any sense. Anybody that would want to vote for Kanye on policy basis would come from Trump's base because they align more. So I don't see the the, the logic behind his people saying he's going to take black voters away from Joe Biden. He's just not. He's not going to take voters away from anybody. If you are settled on Joe Biden and you say this is the guy that I'm going to choose because Donald Trump represents everything that I believe is bad in the world. You're not going to get swayed because Kanye made a tweet talking about some shit that he wasn't, he's probably not going to end up doing. It's album promotion. And on top of that, he ain't even going to drop an album. So it's just talk. So just ignore that shit. So that's the Kanye shit. That was all I really had to say. I hate when people say that black Democratic voters are going to be pulled from Biden to Kanye because it just makes the assumption that black democratic voters are stupid and that they'll vote for just celebrity and it's not like that and and 
We need to stop with this idea that minorities are monolithic. There are conservative black voters, there are conservative Latinx voters, there are liberal Latinx voters, there are liberal black voters. Stop thinking we're a fucking monolith. The next topic, and I want to read some information about this, is the challenge accepted. Hashtag challenge accepted. I know y'all done seen this. It's impossible not to see this if you go on Instagram or Facebook. I imagine Twitter's the same. What is hashtag challenge accepted? So let's break this down. It's a whole, so obviously you've seen the black and white photos. We've seen Jennifer Lopez done post it. A lot of celebrities post it. Let's, let's dig into this. Black and white selfies have probably flooded your Instagram feed in recent days. This is from Yahoo Finance, by the way. The driving force is a new Instagram challenge that ostensibly all about women supporting women, conveniently dubbed hashtag challenge accepted. However, the real meaning behind the challenge is more somber than it may seem. For the women involved, the idea is to post a color-free photo of yourself and then tag other women who want who you want to uplift to do the same. The hashtag currently has around 4.5 million posts on the platform with celebrities including Jennifer Lopez, Gabrielle Union, Jennifer Aniston, uh, a whole bunch of other celebrities. Eva Longoria is propelling the challenge into the latest social media fad with their own language selfies. The real reason behind this. So there is an Instagram user. I'm sure y'all have seen it from uh, Beals. Beals at Boobs. Beals at Boobs. <laughs> That's a funny ass name. She wrote, um, I see many of my non-Turkish friends sharing black and white photos of themselves as a quote unquote challenge, but not knowing the reason or origin of the challenge. So here's my attempt to educate the little following I have. Please share this information if you want to support this movement so the message, message does not get lost in translation and so that the challenge won't lose its meaning. Turkey is one of the top countries when it comes to femicides. Just on 2019, we have had almost 500 recorded femicides. Sadly, many of them remain unrecorded and we have no real number as to how many women are murdered here every year. Just this week, we have had several women murdered. The government and our justice system does not does nothing to stop these crimes. Most often, the murderers barely get a slap on the wrist or no charges at all. As if this is not enough, our government is trying to abolish certain aspects of Istanbul Con Convention, which is a human rights treaty that protects women against domestic violence. So not only are they trying to stop it, they're literally trying to make it legal for them to not stop it. Turkish people wake up every day to see a black and white photo of a woman who has been murdered on their Instagram feed, on their newspapers, on their TV screens. So that's what th that's where this challenge comes from. This originally comes from Turkish people in Turkey. They often wake up to seeing women in black and white photos dead on the news. It's really, really somber when you think about it. And they wanted to raise awareness about this fact, like, look, you could be, if you lived in Turkey, this is the reality that we live with. We could be next. You could see a picture of us in black and white the next day. Murdered because all of these killings are happening. And now we should dig into this Istanbul um, convention more because this is really interesting. Let's dig into to how the government isn't really protecting uh, women in Turkey. The convention was introduced here in Istanbul back in 2011 and ratified in the parliament a year later. What changed in that last eight years that the AKP came to the point of withdrawing from the convention? The answer lies in the drastic change in the political agenda, the growing oppression, and the undermining of basic human rights. Turkey has never had a normal day to talk about daily routine to talk about daily routine problems such as the economy or even the situation around COVID-19. Thanks to the AKP H MHP Alliance's agenda, almost each day a major debate or huge changes on the table. So why now? Let's see. 
The past week, it was the forceful change of the structure of the bar associations and the Hagia Sophia decision combined with Turkey's adventurous affairs overseas. President Erdogan gave instructions to work on how to withdraw from the Istanbul Convention, which is known as the most serious effective commitment for states to combat domestic violence and gender-based crime. Okay. The convention was introduced here in Istanbul back in 2011 and ratified in the parliament a year later. But, as with many other commitments, even legal agreements, the convention stayed on paper. Throughout the years, the government was heavily criticized for not implementing the law to protect women. Even if women applied to the police or prosecutors with domestic violence complain complaints, most were ignored. Many got killed because they, simply, they were simply sent back home. In fact, in the past nine years, the number of women killed and suspicious female deaths increased fourfold, according to women's rights platform KCDP. In 2011, 121 women were killed in Turkey, but each year, the death toll rose. In 2019, there were at least 474 female deaths. The ruling party didn't publish data on suspicious female deaths. So let's, let's digest that information real quick. Hold up. So there was a, there was a, let's see if we can find this. There was a huge, there was like a, a really well documented murder or something that happened in Turkey in 2011. We're going to try and find this. And that kind of gave way for this convention, the Istanbul convention, but it, ne it never actually became law. It stayed on paper. And after nine years of it not becoming a law, more and more deaths have happened so that's what this has really really been about okay it's raising awareness about the femicides in turkey how they've increased every single year and how the law the government is literally not doing anything they're not putting this to law they're not doing anything to try and protect their women and it just keeps increasing which is crazy so that's what it was originally about unfortunately i believe we live in a society that is so reactionary because everything moves so fucking fast it's not really our fault everything moves so fast that we have to kind of be reactionary we people started women started just posting these and i'm sure at first it came with the information it came with the caption that said this is why we're doing it we're raising information about femicides in turkey but unfortunately i feel like more and more women started seeing it and they just started posting it to feel good about themselves. They started tagging their friends. And then it, it slowly became more about a female empowerment thing, which is not a bad thing, by the way. It's not like a, a horrible thing if it's actually meant for that. But the problem is that a message got hijacked, yo. <laughs> a whole movement kind of got hijacked where they were originally trying to talk about femicides, specifically femicides in Turkey. And somehow that movement got fucking hijacked and turned into something else. To the point where I saw a lot of them coming up on my feed and they didn't say anything. It just said hashtag challenge accepted with a black and white photo. There was no information. There was no like, this is why I'm doing it. There was none of that. It was straight up. It was straight up just like, I want to feel good. I want to post this. I want to feel empowered. I want to feel like, you know, I'm beautiful, which is great. You know, you could do that every day. And I hope you do do that every single day but the problem is that you're not talking about why this originally started and because of that an amazing opportunity got lost excuse me an amazing opportunity got straight up lost and it's really messed up because 
so much could have been done with this i saw like five friends getting tagged five friends tagging five friends five friends tagging another five friends like really really branching out and people really could have took this and spread information about what's going on in turkey like and it, people in turkey women in turkey would have been eternally eternally thankful like look at how our movement has been spread around the world and there are women who actually care about us but all that got lost all that got lost because women wanted to just post it and not actually share the information which doesn't make it a challenge it doesn't make it challenging if you just post a, a black and white selfie of you I think black and white is a really cool filter like <laughs> you could post that any single day and you'll probably get a lot of likes you know what I'm saying it's it's not really challenging there's no challenge to that like you most likely the people that are commenting and saying yes all that shit they're gonna do that any other picture you post the real challenge is to raise awareness about what happened in Turkey all these women that were out there and they're being murdered every single year it's it's going up you know, we just read that and we just read right here. In 2011, there was 120 women, 121 women that were killed. In 2019, there was 474. And that's the that's really what people were trying to raise awareness about. And it was such a missed opportunity when all I see is just hashtag challenge accepted, black and white photo, nothing else. It's such a missed opportunity. Such a such a missed opportunity. And I believe that. We need to look at events like the Arab Spring events that happened, I believe, in 2011, where people in Egypt really organized due to social media. It was like the first time you really saw social media organizing this type of event where people were spreading information. People were able to like spread information without like government entities cracking down on them. We need to look at those type of events and we need to actually be doing something helpful towards change. And there is no challenge when all you're doing is posting it with no information because you're just missing an opportunity and you're just getting likes but you're gonna get likes no matter what and if it's about female empowerment it's about making yourself feel empowered i hope you do that every single day with every single picture but we shouldn't be hijacking movements like this hashtag challenge accepted which started in turkey and i hope people are, are starting to see that more but the the sad part is that these fads they go in they happen in like days and then they they're just done you don't really see them anymore and I believe we missed this, this great opportunity because you don't really see those pictures anymore. It's not as common as it was a couple days ago. But, hey, I'm talking a lot. If I got anybody listening out there, I want y'all to join the chat right now. Join in, call in, and let's see. Hey, we got my man. Hey, let's, let's connect. Let's see what's up. Hey, yo, can you hear me? What's good? Yo, my man, yeah, Rob. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you, brother. What's good, man? How you living? Yo, chilling, man. It has been a while, and uh, I can't remember what episode you was on, but my man Rob is in the building right here, here to discuss. I'm glad you called in, bro. How you been? How I haven't talked to you all quarantine, bro. How you been? Been good, man. I've been blessed, man. I really can't complain. A lot of, uh, a lot of stuff's happened, but it's been pretty dope, actually. I've been, I've actually had a slight come up during the quarantine, so I really can't complain. I was working two jobs at one point, and then mm. another two jobs, and one of them kind of temporarily got suspended, but I'm still working full time, so I really can't complain. I've always been like a part time type of dude, so yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, bless, brother. I feel that, man. I, I like it, it's crazy because you see like the two sides to America, at least like 
I thought I was doing pretty good. I was like, yo, I'm not spending. I'm working from home. I'm blessed to like be able to work from home. I'm not spending any money because I'm just staying home. It was almost like a yo, this was a great opportunity. But then you turn on the news and stuff and you see how everybody else is like six million unemployed, 1.4 million unemployed every week. And it's just like, damn, there's just two. It feels like there's two societies right now. Oh, very much so. It's crazy. I mean, it kind of just, uh, yeah, man, it, it just kind of goes to show you that, you know, there's the haves and the have-nots, and there's not a lot of in-between, Hey, bro, I can't hear you too well. Can you uh, step a little closer? Can, can you hear me now? Can you yeah, hear me now? yeah, that's way better, bro. That's way better. Yeah, I just said, no, it's a big it's a big difference between the haves and the have-nots in the country, man, and it's a very small space in between, so, mm. yeah, it, it is crazy, man. I mean, it does feel some type of way when you, feel, when you see all the unemployment numbers and you're like, oh, man. Like it, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, straight up, bro. And and what's been on your radar, man? I know you are real. You keep up to date with everything that's happening. You got your finger on the pulse. What what's been on your radar, bro? Oh man, that, you know what? Honestly, man, it's funny. I've actually taken a slight step back from the news. I mean, I, I watch it. I know that they're still debating and they ain't giving us no checks anytime soon. But mm-hmm. you know, we may or may not get another twelve hundred dollars. Who knows? But honestly, man, it's. Uh, I know TikTok got banned. I know we was gonna speak about that, but um, yeah, bro. So yeah. it hasn't gotten banned yet, right? He he said it on Friday. He said we could do it as early as Saturday. Saturday yeah, came he, and went. He ain't do it. He threatened to do it, but I'm I'm very curious to see what exactly that looks like. Because as far as I know, I thought it was like a private company. So I'm actually very very curious to see how he would go about doing that. Honestly, yeah, yeah, I, bro. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like. You can ban it off of like government phones, like that's a no-brainer. Like, why are you working for any government agency and you got TikTok on your phone? That's the same thing as saying you shouldn't have Facebook on your phone. But mm-hmm. as far as banning it countrywide, I'm I'm very curious to see how this holds up in court because, yeah. Okay, so so you more interested about what the the court's gonna say about it more than like because they could do it right. They did it in India. There's got to be a way that they just shut it out of the stores, right? Uh, again, I don't know. I mean, because like not not like, legally, not legally or anything. Like, could they actually do it? Could they could they well, go yeah, about if, doing it? If you got Apple, the Android store, and I guess Amazon, if you use Fire OS or whatever, um, you could you could com- you could ask them to, but I don't know how legally you would compel them to. That's what I'm saying. Because I feel like if they were to do that. They would have to go through the, the the methods that provide them. So that would be the app stores, and mm-hmm. you know, Apple doesn't really have a good history of you know just bending over backwards for the U.S. government. And you know, Google might be a little bit more lenient, but I don't see them just giving up on that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think it's funny because this is one of the few things where I definitely agree with Trump. Like TikTok is horrible. Like I don't trust it. I don't use it. Mm-hmm. But as far as banning it, I'm, like I said, I'm just very, very curious chewing my popcorn, trying to figure out how this going to end. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bro. So that's I agree with you, man. This is one of those things I was just talking about how I feel like we're a really reactionary society. And I feel like people don't really see the big picture past Trump. Like it's all about get rid of Trump. Everything Trump does is bad. Nobody sees the big picture of, yo, there's evils out there that are going to be still there after Trump that we got to deal with. And China is one of them. China is, is like a, a rapidly developing country. Like they're fucking supposed to outpace us in GDP or some shit by like 20, Ooh, fuck the 20 CCP, something. Man. Fuck the <laughs> Yo, and, and that's a good distinction, bro, because 
I feel like a lot of people will then be like, yo, you're racist, but it's like, no, it's the political well, party yeah, out exactly. there. You're racist because you just said an entire party speaks for an entire people. No. Uh-huh. I, yeah, it's like, I support you. Like, people, and, and honestly, most Americans don't make the distinction between the immigrant family who saved up or, you know, a whole family invested on, you know, one or two people to come over here and start a better life. By all means, I support that. Like, I support any immigrant from any other country that comes to America to make it their home. Mm-hmm. But the CCP is not that. Like, the CCP is really the modern Nazi. It's the, it's the government that runs their country. And I had a conversation the other day, and they were talking about how, oh, America has our own problems. Absolutely. As a black man in America, mm-hmm. yes, America has our own problems. But I will be a black man in America long before I'm a black man in China. Like, I will not take my chances over there, man. <laughs> like, no. Bro, yeah. And that's some, like, that's in line with a lot of the shit that I've seen. Like, memes saying, like, Trump will out, uh, will ban TikTok before he bans semi-automatic rifles, before he bans the KKK. And it's like, yeah, people always do that. It's like, well, what about what's going on right here? Or another one I saw was like, yeah, so what if they're spying on us through TikTok? Like Facebook and, and Instagram and all that do that anyway. It's like, yo, the solution to that is not more spying. <laughs> the solution to it is not more spying, but it's we're in a weird gray area where we're already used to not having privacy. I mean, we're in the social media era where we get in the cars with strangers that we met on the internet. Uh, you know, we, we put everything, we overshare. So it, we don't really have a good idea of what privacy really means or the distinction between your data being sold for, you know, profits for Google and Facebook versus your information being sold or collected by the Chinese government to mm-hmm. form reconnaissance. For a lot of people, there's no difference. Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, you would be splitting hairs to tell the difference, but mm-hmm. yeah, man, it's, it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. Straight up, straight up. And it, it's like I said, I feel like people really don't see the big picture. Like, and I worry that if Trump loses in November, a lot of people are going to go to sleep. A lot of people are not going to be as politically active. It's just going to be like, all right, we got Trump out. Like things are okay. And Biden might do things that we don't like that, that he shouldn't do. And he's not going to feel that public pressure. Honestly, though, I don't think that people can just go to or will go to sleep. If, if that's a huge, if, if we get Trump out, because from my perspective, I think the fact that so many people are unemployed and the fact that the economy is so it's not just fucked on paper it's like fucked like you can go outside and be like oh that mm. store's not coming back mm-hmm. and i think that that's going to kind of leave a ripple effect that's going to last way past november so if biden does inherit all this like he's going to have his hands full mm. and he's going to have to put a lot of the right people into positions to fix it because i mean dude like mm. this mm. we're we're just getting started man like this is this is like recession light you know in terms of what this could really be so that's not good yeah yeah (laughs) all right picture this picture this biden wins biden wins or whatever uh republicans lose the senate and they they also lose that they don't have control of the house so it's completely democratic now the Republicans are back on the opposition side where they do pretty well. From what I read, like they fundraise a shit ton when they're not in control. Like during those Obama years, they was making mad money. It was fundraising a shit ton. So they're comfortable still in that position. Now, everybody that was politically active and politically woke during this Trump era is all of a sudden just trying to defend Biden no matter what, because the Republicans are obviously going to go so hard at trying to smear him for anything that he does that people that are politically active are only going to be playing more into like that partisan shit where like they can't criticize Biden. They can't 
because criticizing Biden to them would be like helping the Republicans, which they don't want to do because the Republicans are going to be on 24 hour attack. Eh, I mean, that could happen. That, that very well could happen. Mm-hmm. But even worse, you could have something like what happened when uh, Obama was in office and we had, what was it, the Blue Dog uh, Democrats or something? Yeah, yeah. Conservative, some mm-hmm. weird stuff like that. So, I mean, that could happen, but honestly, I mean, I don't know, because you have a new wing of Democrats that are, I wish they were as aggressive as the Tea Party, but the ALCs and the, Mm -hmm. uh, what's her name, Rashida Tlaibs and whatnot, and the Mm -hmm. squad, I feel like they might usher in a new era of left wing that could kind of keep Biden on his toes, I would Mm -hmm. hope, especially if it was a Democrat-ran Senate or House, um, or yeah, we already had the House, but if it was a Democratic-ran Senate and a democratic executive office i feel like we might just have enough uh momentum to actually get some real change down to make some real reform because i mean like any way you flip it we're not living in our grandfather's economy Mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter if you want to be a fiscal conservative if you want to be a liberal if you want to be a communist like the same stuff that worked for your parents for my grandparents and down the line like that just doesn't work today college is more expensive housing uh-huh. is more expensive living is more expensive and you're gonna need a stronger welfare net or not even welfare that you're gonna need a stronger social security net just because a lot of those jobs aren't coming back so you're gonna need an actual green new deal i know a lot of people gave aoc shit for that and it was far from you know a, a, a full-fledged plan but we're gonna need something on that level of a very you know roosevelt era kind of overhaul to really reshape our economy and bounce back from this honestly but we'll see what happens hopefully hopefully like you said um you know maybe that happens and maybe we can't get there hey and how do you see how do you view uh biden interacting with china like how do you view the, that relationship going he's going to be as trump says weak with them I'm gonna keep it a buck with you. I think Biden is seen now, so I would hope that he <laughs> get into one of those conversations and start telling, you know, what, what's his name? What's the uh, prime minister, dictator? Uh, she? Yeah. What's his? What, what is his title? Like the what of China? Um, the of China. What is he like? The yo. At this dictator? point, there. I'm pretty sure there's no more elections. Like he is supreme leader. Yeah. So supreme leader of China, and by all means, if that's incorrect, I'm okay with dissing their government because I don't give two squats. But not here or there. Supreme grand leader of China. I'd <laughs> be surprised if Biden goes over there and starts telling about what he has for breakfast because I do the see now. But all jokes aside, I would honestly like it, it, it's a really weird animal. Like I don't. It, it's not anything Biden alone can do. Like you need a coalition to even have a remote impact on what China's capabilities are because they're so entrenched with Africa, which if you look at the whole Belt and Road Initiative, they basically got like the supply chain of like all the metals that go in your phones and natural resources. They got that on lock by proxy of Africa. So they're setting themselves up to be really holding us by the balls in the next 10 to 20 years. So you really need a global level intervention to kind of put China on check. Like there's nothing any one person could do. And that's Hmm. what I'm more so afraid of. Yo, and what is finally gonna tip the international the international scene to to take this this uh aggressive stance against china because clearly it's not the uyghurs it's not the uyghurs that are being held in concentration camps and being used as forced labor across china that hasn't seemed to rallied any uh countries to come together for that it it wasn't coronavirus like i didn't really see um a united front to be like yo shut down your wet markets i didn't see that and so what is it finally going to be that is going to get this united international front to be like yo stop your shit 
Honestly, it's gonna have to take some new world covert espionage, uh, CIA level. Alright, here's here's me just like playing playing out a perfect scenario. The mm. best chance that we would have of putting China in check isn't gonna be a full-on assault. It's gonna be us doing some type of insurgency to where we can finance and help throw help fund a party within China to mm. overthrow that. So if the Uyghurs say, you know, tomorrow they take up action and just say, fuck it, we're we're bombing out every Chinese, every CCP owned agency, like this is ours, and then the US were to say, hey, we stand behind that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that would be enough, but I mean, it's honestly, honestly, I don't even think it could be the Uyghurs. It's got to be something like within, like ethnic, like forgive me, I'm not trying to race, but like Chinese. Oh god, what's, what's the proper word? <laughs> like Chinese. What's, what, what word am I trying to say for Chinese people that look that and not like Uyghurs? That look like uh, that. That look like what? Okay, okay. So the what's the name? The Uyghurs, right? The Uyghurs are Chinese, right? But they're ethnically different. They're ethnic, they're Muslim, like, yeah. Yeah, but no, no, they're not just Muslim. But like they're ethnically like they don't look quote unquote Asian. They look browner. They look more like Indian. They look more like Arab, if you will. Whereas like Chinese, like I'm trying not to be racist here, but you get what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I understand. To, it has to be. It has to be something within the Chinese majority, like a faction of that that goes against the CCP. So it has to be someone that looks like them. Because if it's someone that doesn't look like them and it's not of their culture that tries to take over the CCP, I feel like you're just going to get yourself in a very, very long, you know, Vietnam type of war because they mm-hmm. have manpower. They have shitty weapons, but they have enough weapons to make it a very, very difficult thing to overthrow their government. So you're going to have to fund someone from within their government, from within that culture that says, yo, we don't like how this is done. And that's honestly the only way I could see China ever really backing down because they're not going to just do it. No, no, and you're, no. not gonna, you're not going to be able to bargain with them. So it's going to have to be someone within them that violently, unfortunately, violence is the only way stuff gets done these days. Or covertly finds a way to really shift that power because CCP isn't, isn't going to give it up. So you're going to no. have to be within that and break it from them. That's my bro. Point. Bro, and it sucks because like all the things you said, I feel like I would usually be against those things like covertly funding all these rebel groups to overthrow government. I would be against that, and I am against that in like names like yeah, like Latin American countries, bro. Yeah, like when they're doing it to found right wing factions of the government, absolutely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when it's something like that, it's it's I hate to say it, but you're right. I mean, it's. It's a time when, like, we kind of were mad when America played global police, but now we're kind of like, okay, well, now maybe we shouldn't be playing global police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's exactly what's happening right here. Straight up. Yeah. And and I feel like all the other times that we played police when we shouldn't have played police are now going to fuck it up because a lot of people are going to be like, well, you know, I don't agree with this because I don't agree with it in principle of just overthrowing governments and, like, democratically chosen, like, I'm pretty sure at some point they elected this this dude. They might not have any more elections, but at some point they wanted him. And from like the documentaries I've watched, it seems like a large portion of their population doesn't care about human rights as much as uh, you know the Western world does. Where they're just like, "Yo, 30 years ago, our grandparents were poor farmers, and now we live in these fucking crazy mega cities, and like we don't care. We're we're getting money." And that's why I say that it has to be done from within. Like, mm-hmm. it has, like, there's only so much the U.S. can do within them. Like, there's a reason why you can't overthrow North Korea, because they're so ethnically synced. They're so unified, and they have a culture where if anybody does anything out of line, they're going to tell on each other. China isn't as strict, 
But mm. to some extent, they do like it like that. But I think that you're going to have to economically lock them out in order to change their tendencies. And unfortunately, we live in a capitalistic society who's very much willing to do business with China if they can make money. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a crazy scenario. I mean, there's no there's no one simple answer to it. Straight up. And, and why do you think the American public sees like we go way harder when it comes to like, yo, Russia, 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 we got to be strong on Russia. And I don't see as much as the public going as hard as like China. Like, I don't get it. It's like people are really like, yo, Russian aggression, like all of this. We got to like they everything is like so much more harsh that we want to put a harsher stance on Russia. But when it comes to China, I feel like people don't get it. Like they really do not get how. Honestly, yeah, they don't get it. And two, I feel like there's harder. There's a bigger focus on Russia because the Cold War never really. I mean, it ended, obviously, but it never really stopped. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny because, like, don't get it twisted. Like, I don't trust Russia as far as I can throw it. But I would much rather deal with Russia than I would China because, honestly, Russia, if Russia had their way tomorrow, mm-hmm. they would probably snatch up maybe two or three countries on the Eastern Bloc and just kind of chill out and say, okay, let's bring all of our people together and have an ethnically united Russia. They're not really trying to project their power as much as China is, if that makes sense. Whereas China is like slowly trying to like become the new world order in the next hundred years or so. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just not the same thing. Like Russia looks like more of an immediate threat because, oh, they did a land grab in Ukraine and took over, you know, what, what was that little peninsula? Whatever Crimea. Yeah, they took over Crimea and everybody went ape shit. I mean, yeah, that, is it a war crime? Sure. But realistically, now we're getting into a very, very, very huge thing where I, I, I'm not the expert on this. But when it comes to like telling a country that they can't regroup or rebuild what was formerly theirs, mm. I, you're playing a very weird so how would you feel if Mexico was like yo we want to take Texas back we want Cali back honestly I would love to give Texas and (laughs) probably like Alabama and Louisiana they can have that they're not getting California they can have Texas Louisiana and a couple of those little down south bumfuck states I'd be willing to bargain with Mexico for that but honestly like it would be rude it would be fucked up but i mean like they couldn't do that so yeah that's, that's what it comes but yeah, yeah that's like, like yo that, we're just stronger than you it, yeah like that's really what it comes down to and that's kind of what happened to ukraine because it's like if they really wanted to take it back mm-hmm. then by all means engage in war with russia and see how well that ends like you're gonna be you're gonna make yourself part of the soviet union quicker than you wanted to if you mm-hmm. go to war with russia from the standpoint of ukraine whereas mm-hmm. You know, the allegory you gave, I mean, yeah, it would be crazy, but, you know, Mexico doesn't have the power. Now, if they did and we were more economically like Mexico, yeah, we would be mad about it. But honestly, I don't think the world will really care. Oh, man, I don't want to get to a point where we're like the world is just getting into a match where it's like, all right, we're taking this over because that's like a real slippery slope where it's like, oh, yo, absolutely, absolutely. And, well, what I'm and, saying, all, I'm sorry. All Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say what you touched upon with like the, can you tell people a little bit more about what is going on with what China is doing with that one belt initiative in Africa and all these other like underdeveloping places that are turning to China because they're like, yo, we got money for you. They're building an alliance, man. China, what China is doing is they are literally rebuilding 
all of the area that colonialism just said fuck you to after they pulled out of. Everybody, like, if you look at Africa, the reason Africa is 50 some odd countries is because when Europe came through, they broke it up based off of companies for, okay, you can have the diamond mines, you can have the oil, you can have the rubber, you can have this metal, yada, yada, yada. And then when they left, those lines were essentially left and they were like, okay, now all of you people are a country, regardless of the fact of you drawing a line through, you know, what used to be shared territory and now people are fighting over it. So what China is doing is bringing stability to those regions and basically recolonizing them in an era where we have the technology to kind of overstep a lot of that in-between process between being a third world country and an industrialized nation. So basically China's putting them in the hyperdrive and in doing that, they're buying alliances for UN votes. So when it comes down to us saying, hey, everyone, let's vote on an intervention for China. Well, China's got, you know, 40 African countries that are like, nah, we're going to we're going to we're going to roll with China on this one. But thank you, America. Mm. And that's effectively what they've done with that vote Belt and Road Initiative. They've bought a lot of countries that got fucked over by colonialism. And that's like I said, that's really going to bite us in the ass in the next 20 years. Yeah. Yo, Maybe and- even sooner. <sighs> It's it's really crazy. Like I I didn't pay attention to China like this, honestly, till Trump. And that is one thing where I'm like, all right, he seems to be putting extreme pressure on it. Like they really seem to be hyper focused on the economy and trying to combat China's GDP rising GDP. And I did not pay attention to it really until Trump. And it's one thing where I'm like, yo, I wish he wasn't so damn fucking bigoted where you're like he yeah like he <laughs> you wish he wasn't right on china no right? nah, yeah bro but it's like he's such a shitty messenger and like shitty like just like uh well, portrayer of ideas that like people obviously even get a pissed off clock is right even a broken clock is right at least two times a day <laughs> that and is on china on china i'm sorry but if that if that clock is stuck on 1255 when it comes to china it's 1255 it's 1255 like, like that's just i don't i don't know how else to put it like yeah it's it's, it's crazy and people don't realize like that area xinjiang i think it's called where like the uyghurs are from is like they got cameras on every block they will see what you're doing they will take any petty little thing that you do throw you in a fucking re-education camp what they call it is an episode of black mirror yeah yeah straight up neo-nazis it's ridiculous how they treat those people and you know you know that it's bad i hate to bring this up there's two groups of people where you can't even like really argue about it because you would never say that you would want to be treated how they are by their governments. Mm-hmm. Palestinians and the Uyghurs are Uyghurs. I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong, but yeah, you don't yeah. want to get treated like any of those people. You don't want to be a Palestinian treated under Israeli regime. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be a Uyghur or Uyghur under the CCP's regime. And yeah. if you think, if you would want to right now switch places with one of those people, then by all means, I feel like you don't really understand what's going on. It's not a matter of racism. This isn't anti-Israeli. Uh, it isn't anti-China as a people. It's anti-oppressive regimes treating people like shit, how you would never want to be treated in your own country. And uh, I feel like, oh, go ahead. Oh, shit. No, no. I think we got Perry trying to join. Let's connect. Love man. Hey, yo. Is that Perry? Yeah, can y'all hear me? Hey. What's good? What's good? You there? Yeah, can you hear me? 
A little bit. It sounds like you're kind of far, yeah. You're a little far, man. You might want to use your AirPods or something. I am. Uh, oh, your earphones suck. <laughs> yeah, there we go. No? I, okay. I kind of, I've been, good, you keep folks. cutting. Not much, man. How you living? Uh, hold on, let me turn my Wi-Fi off. Get off my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties. Oh, this shit is amazing. Yeah, I got yeah. both of y'all in here. This is, yeah, there we go. What's up, bro? We was just discussing China and uh, how this is one of the areas where we're like, yo, we wish more people would be less reactionary with their hate towards Trump and be like, okay, in this instance, he might be right. Uh, and he might be right for the wrong reasons, though. But yeah, <laughs> I guess. Well, why would he be right for the wrong What you mean? I mean, like, like I, I, I said in the group text, it's, it's Trump, right? So, if if he's doing something that we agree with, it's not likely that he's doing it for the same reasons we would do it. You know what I mean? So, what what what? What do you think his to, reasons are for this? I don't know what this is. What are we talking about? Oh, oh, oh uh, so we were we banning started with, with yeah, yeah, banning TikTok. Which one thing that I saw a lot of people saying was like he was tight. Because all those TikTok users fucked up his rally by buying all those tickets and inflated the numbers. That it was some petty shit. I mean, ordinarily, I would be inclined to believe that, but I don't think that was the case. Uh, with the TikTok thing, um, yeah, on the one hand, like, I don't think we need to ban TikTok. I think somebody, and they need to just come over here, like, full stop. Like, I think Microsoft is talking about buying them up right now. So... Uh, I don't agree with the, the, the banning TikTok situation necessarily, like just buy them out. And I think he told he demanded China to sell it. I don't know how, how you uh, how you. That's what I'm that. saying. It's a lot of stuff where it's like, how are you going to do this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can't just like they can't force people to come over there and or they can't force countries to extradite Hong Kong citizens to China or, to, or punish us for speaking right now about China. We can't force them to you know, divest assets. <laughs> so, um, yo, and, and yeah, how no, did, okay. how did that deal even get made? Because it was originally musically, which is right. An American company. And then a Chinese parent company, I think it's called dance bright or some shit like that. They bought it. Let me look that up. Big talk parent. So who, who allowed that to happen? Bite dance. That's what it is. I don't think it was like a, a lot of the happen thing. Like there's ton, there's tons of Chinese money in our economy. Like it's dude, China owns New York. Not dude. China owns half of New York. Yeah, Russia owns the other half, yeah. and then a few yeah, rich a lot people of, own the rest. <laughs> what you mean by that? You got yeah, you got to explain that to me. How, like how? Like with real with estate. real estate? Real estate. Yeah, all them big ass buildings that go up for one point two, two point three million, billion, trillion, gajillion dollars. You couldn't even pronounce them numbers. Half <laughs> of those are owned by Chinese citizens who are treating it like uh, a piggy bank. They're not mm. even living in it. They just buy it because it's it's New York real estate, mm. and, and America's like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna let them buy it, and, and we're gonna not charge them high taxes because we want the money. And it's the dumbest shit ever. But I mean, that's yo, it, it's America. So, so do we see that shit also like in other like let's say Thailand, Indonesia, where you would see American bought like uh, all those villas and stuff, and Americans or Western people from the Western world just buying out mad hotels and areas in all these underdeveloped countries. Is that similar to the same thing? Yes and no. I think that 
I think it is, but I think the biggest difference is when Americans, and I mean, there's exceptions to every rules, but I think when America goes over, we'll buy land and then we'll put a business on it. Like we might put up a resort, mm-hmm. we might put up, um, you know, it's gonna be some some sort of commerce attached to that. Whereas but what China- what Chinese do here. No, 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 but I'm like, sorry, no, no, not, not with like the real estate though. Well, yeah, with the hotels, that's one thing. Yeah, yeah, with the hotels, that's one thing. But I'm talking about, like, private residencies where, like, the reason why San Francisco's housing market is so inflated is because not only because of Silicon Valley, but also you have foreign money, not just China, you also have Russian money coming in there and just buying these places on, on you know, sight unseen. And I think that there should be a huge distinction between buying a private residence and buying a business. Like, if you want to buy a business in America, by all means, I support you. Whatever country or company or government you come from, as long as you play by our rules, put all the business here you want. Exchange money, pay our taxes, provide a service and good. But the problem is you can't take residential units off the market. Like, I feel like that is what we have to be a little bit more protectionist by. I mean, for whatever sense that's happening, I don't know. But uh, I think the, the larger point, like, I don't think it's wrong chapter when they were starting up. Cause, it's not like it was, you know, abnormal to accept yeah. money. A lot of the gaming industry is talking about China. You know what I'm saying? Like, Perry, you're going to have to repeat all that because I can't really hear you. And it sounds like you're making a good point. I think now, because there's all this kind of international tensions with the Chinese government, people are looking at those, they're uh, not Chinese assets, you know, fully, fully, but they're looking at that, those assets that have Chinese investment a little different because they know how that government moves and we see like some pretty nasty stuff going on over there right now now when i said trump i think his reasons are different than the ones i would have or we would have probably on the left in general is like this dude is trying to like very favor with his base you know this is an extension of the chinese virus that, you know, he don't trump hey, which it is which it is he don't feel like Yo, Perry, can you, is there any way you could step closer or it's getting harder? It's like you fading. Yeah, maybe you should just use like the phone without like the earbuds. Hello? Yeah, can you hear us? You still sound far. Why does my sound? Man, this is trash. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro, this Podbean thing is not the not what I imagined. This is my first time using it. But uh, I I don't I wish I was on the receiving on the listening end because I don't know what it's like to be on the listening side. As me said, you guys sound good to me, but I let my phone like go to sleep. So oh, work. Now you sound <laughs> way better. Yeah, you sound better now. Word. Did you hear what? Still I sound said? bad, but <laughs> I heard most of it. But you might want to repeat it. Yeah, right, yeah, please. So, so I was basically saying in regards to Trump uh, doing what he's doing with TikTok for different reasons than we, we would do, is I think that his motivation is to rally, like to uh, curry favor with his base. He's doing really bad in the polls and all that. He's losing some serious ground. So I think he's basically, this is an extension of the, uh, the Chinese virus stuff. Like he is just trying to antagonize China at this point. And Which, I agree, it is the Chinese virus. Well, I feel like we should all settle on the CCP virus. CCP virus is cool. But here's the thing, though. Ebola, that's a region. Ain't nobody tripping on Ebola. Ain't nobody tripping on that. Uh, Zika, Zika, that's a region. Ain't nobody tripping on Zika. But but we can't call it the Wuhan flu. 
Wuhan is a region of China. I, I, I'm just saying, like, they, we can't be like, oh no, because because it's China, we can't name a disease after them. Like, no, dude, you infected the entire world. You're taking so this. So you holding this L. You holding this L. Here, here, here you go, right? Here you go again. This we are girl of time. Just completely missing a massive detail that is, that's different between all those things. Yes, Zika, Ebola, all, and, and Wuhan are all places on the planet. Sure, viruses came from these places on the planet. Sure, you don't see people going around people from Zika or people from Wuhan, or excuse me, uh, Ebola on the basis of them being from there. That's because they too dumb to figure it out. All right, let's meet in the middle. Let's meet in the middle. We'll call it the Wuhan flu. I think you even agreed on that. Because most people don't even know what Wuhan is. Nobody knows where Zika is. Nobody can point to Ebola on a map. Nobody can point to Wuhan on a map. My thing is this. At this point, we're not really talking about where the virus came from. Like, it's not notable from where it came from. I'm saying, you're right. You're very true. This is notable because of where it's percolating the most, which is here. So it's the Trump virus. No, don't, no, no, hell no, you ain't putting this on Trump. Well, yes. Okay. Okay. Our, our, the, the, the rates of infection and whatnot. Yes. Trump has completely shat the bed on the response. But that being said, this is China's fault. And even once we, once we get this figured out eventually, we need to put heat on China for this because like not for nothing, it's their fault. Like, yes, it might've been an accident, but between their government suppressing information, knowing a lot more than they let off in the in the initial rounds and trying to work with the uh, World Health Organization to make it seem like they had it under control, they need to feel this heat. So it's the fucking Chinese virus. It's the Wuhan flu, whatever you want to call it. It's going to have a name from that region. This has nothing to do with people. If you are, right, let me and, and, and let, let me put this on the record too. If you are beating up a random Asiatic or Asian American person who's probably from freaking Korea or Japan, I would rather you kill yourself than go and beat up innocent people. I'm sorry. Did I did I endorse did I endorse suicide for for racists and idiots? Maybe, maybe I'm being a little too extreme. Yeah, I think but too I, much passion is coming out. Too much. My fault. My fault. My fault. My fault. I'm not I'm not advocating beating up random people over a virus, but I am advocating attribution attribution to where it came from. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. And again. But, but like, like, I don't think you're, you're, you're again, you're not really hearing me. Sorry, sorry let me, let me still, man, because I'll tell you, I'll tell you. In terms of where the virus came from, who messed it up, who got us to just mess in the first place, yes. The Chinese government is, ex- like, 100% culpable. 100%. 100%. 100%. And yeah, CCP flu. CCP flu. CCP flu. We call it Wait, that. can I finish? Can I finish? Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So, yeah, I agree with that piece right there. My issue is that... In America in Pacific, we have a very, like, their intellectual movement is pretty strong here. And when Trump, again, Trump is saying the Wuhan virus or the, the uh, Chinese flu, whatever, you know, Chinese virus, it's not because it started there. He's not doing it for that reason. Hey, a broken clock is right on, two times a day. He's not That's the other it, time when he's, he's right. Put, <laughs> he's not doing it to put heat on China. Because there is no heat on the Chinese government from telling them the facts that the virus came from there. Heat on Chinese government is holding to account for the weaker stuff. That's mm. heat. Like, who cares about, hey, you guys did the virus. You started the virus. All right, yeah. The only reason why, the only reason why I care about attrition, the only reason I care about the attribution is because of the reason of let history know, like, yo, this was their fault. As a and government, history let history know. But... 
But so that's all I'm saying. So that's all I'm saying. Spanish. But there, there's a reason that it was called the Spanish flu, not the American flu, even though it started here. It Why? Was well, what is that reason? I actually don't even know. So, I mean, in brief, the flu, the, 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 what was 1918, whatever that pandemic was during that time, yeah, became known as the Spanish flu, did not start in Spain. It started here. And we handled it badly here. And then we went to war. And it, it, and it ended up in Spain and it ravaged the area. So what about Ebola and Zika then? So what about Ebola and Zika? Come on, man. I'm having technical difficulties. You still cut me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold on. Let, let, let him finish. All right. So All right. I actually did not know that piece of history right there. So, yeah, that that's kind of a fucked up attribution. Yeah, so, yeah. So, but, that, <laughs> but, that's, but that's one example, though. That's one example in all the other so ones. So when I said they were called the Trump or the American virus, that's what I'm saying. It's like history is going to know that regardless of where the virus started, who's messing it up the worst? Who's the primary driver of the infection on the planet still? It's not China. It's us. Mm. So what you're asking for, Rob, is for them to call it the American virus or the Trump virus because... We're the ones that deal with the worst. No, that is not what I'm asking for. I'm asking, hey, I'm gonna keep it a buck. I'm gonna keep it a buck. I'm gonna keep it a buck. Part of part of uniting America. No, you still here? I can't hear you. Part of uniting hey. America is what behind behind uh, hatred towards United- an enemy, like a common enemy. Yeah. So I think if it takes <laughs> us, oh, if it funny. takes us, no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it a buck. If it takes us uniting against the CCP, because let's keep it a buck. When we fought against the Nazis, we weren't fighting against Germany. We were fighting against a political party. And I think that as dumb as Americans are, we can make that distinction and we could kind of unite the right and the left by saying, yo, in addition to conquering this virus, let's take steps to fight against the party that enabled this, that by the way, also has a million other human rights violations in addition to infecting the entire world. Yo, I feel yo, like I feel like we could do both. I feel like we could do both. Yo, yo, real quick. So we need a better name because, like, so when you say we were able to unite behind a, a party, I feel like most Americans, you tell them we united behind the Nazis. So it's like most people probably wouldn't even know that the Nazis were a political party. But it was like, all right, the Nazis, fuck the Nazis. Now that's my point. Fuck the CCP. Say, <laughs> so we, you say, we need a better name, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem is, if we say fuck the communists, there's a no! lot of... Fu- <laughs> don't fuck the commie. Fuck that specific Chinese communist party. This is hatred towards a political party. The same way that a Democrat can say fuck a Republican or a Republican can say fuck a Democrat. How about we unite and say, no, fuck the CCP. Let's unite as brothers, Democrats, Republicans, Bloods, Crips, all that whatnot, and say fuck those guys over there. Can I Come on, man. We can do it. We can do it. I cut out, I cut out again. I missed the um, Go ahead. response to Spanish flu. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so, I, yo, I see that. Now, picture a world. Picture a world where Trump wasn't fucking an idiot and he somehow got everything under control. What's the second country where it's really bad, like Brazil or some shit, right? If it's somehow, let's say Trump in this alternate world where Trump figured everything out and Brazil is the worst world, is the worst country where it's been affected. I wouldn't be cool with just naming it the Brazil flu because it, it wanna, somehow, they fucked it up. Like, you know, I don't I don't know if attributing it to the country where it's like the worst is the best right. idea because that's confusing. All right, I want to keep it a buck. No, I want to sure. keep it a buck. Well, go ahead. All right, I'm going to fuck up. No, go ahead, okay. So now I'm going to say, all right, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so no, I, I, I feel you. Like, it's it's definitely confusing. I don't know if we could, you know. My point is just that that's that's a, that's the naming convention that we're dealing with, right? That we've dealt with no. in the past. Because Ebola. Hold on, hold on. Let him finish. Let him finish. No, I was gonna say the Ebola thing didn't really. It was it was it was over there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So why would we call it anything else? <laughs> what you mean? We didn't call it anything else. Dude, Ebola was almost a world a world pandemic. We just kept it under control. Ebola, first of all, was is nowhere near as transmissible as COVID because you had to literally deal with a corpse to get. The- I'm not saying I'm not saying it's as transmissible, but I'm saying it was nearly a global pandemic twice. It nearly, we got it under control. We 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 kept it under control regardless. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, well, not 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 the way you. Okay, whatever. But what are you, what are you trying to say though, as far as? The, the, the name, uh, you, you're not comfortable calling it the American virus. Okay, sure. I'm not either. Let's just call but it COVID. I just don't, that's great. It's, it's COVID 19. I don't see the point of calling it <laughs> a region anyway. Like, what's the point? Of- because, so I get it. I, I completely get it, man. It's almost like there is, it seems to be the uh what else the the hong kong shit still seems to not be getting an international front against china it's almost like what will finally unite us yeah yeah. and and thailand right well that's Uh, what you you're making this point you're making this point so i think that all that stuff that you said i think that with this one thing if we can say you know what as america red and blue we're gonna unite and call this the Chinese virus locally because just for the very simple fact that we need to unite and really focus on them as a new global, not just adversary, but they're literally a global threat to other countries' freedom because all these belt and, I don't wanna go on a tangent, but China is literally a new problem. Like they're doing the same things that the Nazis did in their rise to power and they're just doing it more covertly and they're doing it with more of a smile on their face. They're not doing it by doing power grabs against India and Russia because both of them could fuck them up if they tried to try. They tried that, but all these little smaller little city states that are trying to get a taste of freedom, I know they call it westernization, but they literally enjoy freedom and democracy over having a dictator. <clears throat> I think that I think that we need to stand up against that. Yo, and if yeah. we got to name a virus after them, the name a virus after them. That's what's trash, though, right? Because the fact that we have to unite behind hate and anger towards an enemy that we can't unite behind like, yo, there's mad people unemployed right now. Let's make sure that these fucking uh, that this government money is still going in for these unemployment benefits that we can't unite behind like positive things. And then we got to unite behind negative things is really trash. But hey, if if that's what it is, (laughs) or it's also and it's also not super realistic either. I mean. Like we didn't, the world didn't unite against the Nazis because what they were doing to the Jews. Like, like yeah, they united like, over Pearl Harbor. Yeah, they united Yo, over or, Pearl Harbor. Or yeah. another example, we we also did unite against the Soviets once they started doing better in the space race than us. It was more of a like, okay, now the public is behind NASA, so let's give NASA, so let's give them more funding. Like that in that scenario, yeah. it was kind of a united front. But you want to know some funny thing just to. Well, go ahead, Perry. I got a fun fact about that, though. I was gonna say, but, but like my, my main thing, what you're saying, it's like 
you ask the first to unite against China and, you know, say all this stuff, whatever. That's rhetoric, man. Like, you, you ask for rhetoric, like, China's had a much tighter economic grip on this planet than the Nazis ever did. And mm-hmm. anybody else in the world did. Like, I agree that, like, now you uh, they're a problem. I agree they're a problem. They're a huge problem, but they're not, like, the type of problem you can just... You know, you can't just blow them up and destroy them or, you know, completely dissociate with them at this point. Well, that's what I was saying at the beginning. Right. Mm. So I don't think that that super antagonistic approach is appropriate anymore. Well, because I, I, all gonna lose at that at this point. I had mentioned it before, but I actually didn't advocate blowing China up because, yeah, that's not a good for I was saying that the only way that we can do it is if we fund some type of resistance from within their country. Um, and th- that will basically rebel against the CCP force and then we just send them all the guns and intelligence and training that we can. Otherwise, it's going to be a very difficult thing. But I, I did have a fun fact about Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. Russia has never, like during the Cold War, that was really a battle of ideology. Like Russia really wasn't threatening guys like I mean, they was the they was beating us in the space race for a minute. They was just getting wins. They was getting W's, sending shit up was. there, and our fucking rockets was just blowing up. Well, yeah, we had to get I some Nazi scientists to get that going up. We had to get some Nazi scientists to get that rocket going. But, you know? I think I think what you're saying with that right there kind of really uh, diminishes the the covert kind of side that Russia really excelled at with the Kremlin. Like that's what Putin came out of. I mean, I mean that era and that type of. Um, that type of uh, clandestine kind of activity, you know what I mean? Mm. Like they they were dope at that. Like the stuff they did to us in 2016 with our election, they've been doing that for mad years, man. Mad years to many but, different governments. But here's the thing, Russia fucks really with us good. because we fuck with them. Like, but yeah, they're really good. But I mean, honestly, I look at Russia as like one of those like LeBron and RIP Kobe situations. Where we're the both the biggest kids on the block, and we're by definition we're kind of bumping other people. Whereas mm. I look at China as like, yo, they're like a legit threat. Like I said before, Russia's really not been on world domination. Like I, I still don't trust them, and I would by all means watch them. But China is literally built on some world domination shit. Like we're trying to, you know, by the time you look up, you're gonna realize how much we run shit. They've already done it to an extent. Whereas Russia's more like, a, hey, we just want to control our part of the globe. Yeah, man, but I was going to say, yo, I'm pretty sure Putin makes it very clear that he would love to rebuild the Soviet Union back to, like, the power that it was Let once. Him. And Let him! I was about to say, yeah. Let him! Like, no, Rob, that was very ignorant right there, what you said. Like, no, man, that is exactly what Putin wants. That's why he is... You got to really look into, like, the coverts that are Russia does, like, in the shadows. They absolutely are, are about world domination. They wanted the world state globally communist the whole entire cold war was about yeah <laughs> yo hey hey my brothers i love having this conversation but we had an hour and 18 minutes or some shit and i love to let's do this again very soon i i miss talking to both of y'all because you both give me two different perspectives that i could then be like okay i'm learning like i i, I said at the beginning of this shit I am learning along with the listeners. I ain't no expert at this shit. I'm really new to this shit. I ain't going front about it. In 2016 is when I got into it. And both of you give me two different perspectives that I fucking love. But we're going to have to do it next time, bros. Thank you for calling, yo. Peace out. It's always a pleasure. Hey, hey, let's do it again very soon. 
Oh, no, nah, no. Nah, it's all good. Next time we're going to do it on some shit that's not Podbean where people got to download and shit. Hey, how long until this goes up on, like, iTunes? Uh, I got to figure it out, bro. It's my first time using it. I have literally no idea how this works. Okay. Hey, I'll let you know, though. Hey, Perry, Rob, thank you. Hey, everybody, thank you for listening. And this was Pretty Normal Sundays. We will be back next week. And peace. Peace. Peace.